0: What a great song, huh? Pity about the uh, melody. Yeah, thanks. If we could, that'd be great. That's a wonderful song. I particularly enjoyed verse 1, because that's really what we're talking about today. Um, So, I guess I want to say welcome to our launch day. Now, this part of our service is going to look a little bit different to what, uh, I guess, a normal church service would look like. So today, while we are reflecting on Scripture, I'm going to be sharing some of the uh, the data from the survey uh, that we asked everyone to fill in a, a little while ago, and to talk about how we're going to change things up as a result of that feedback. And on that, I just want to, um, at this point, thank you for providing feedback for the survey. We got 88% of our active adults in the church filling in the survey, which means. I mean, if anyone's a statistician, that's a lot. Like, that's a really good representative sample. And so that means we have a very uh, strong and good idea of exactly where people are at and, and where we need to prioritise and th- so on. So so firstly, thank you for that. So I'm going to be, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be sharing some of that data together with you today uh, and talk about what that means for how kind of how we do church here on a Sunday. But also I want to be, uh, sharing the plan we have for, um, for kind of what we're going to be focusing on this year and in the years to come. As I've indicated a number of times uh, now, our plan is going to focus on, on what we believe the best way for our congregation is to take the next step in bringing the gospel uh, to those outside of our congregation. So, how are we going to strategically help other people take their next step towards Jesus? And so, as we do that, we're going to reflect on a number of scripture passages that have helped shape, really, how we have moved as a congregation from where we were several years ago to where we are today. And so, I, I want to first think about Acts chapter two, verses uh, forty-two to forty-seven. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held the, all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, and distributed their proceeds to all as they had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate, with, uh, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And so this is a picture of what the church was like uh, in the early days. This is kind of a a picture of, um, almost if you like, a a statement of what the church is supposed to be like. So the things I want to particularly focus on this morning is verse 42 They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer and then jumping here to verse 47 and every day the lord added to their number those who were being saved now this is a vision of how the church ideally should work this is how the early church functioned and this is how largely i think as a church we function too so let's think about these things together for a moment firstly The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the early church um, made this the point around which they gathered. It's kind of a a shorthand way of saying they studied the scriptures together, they sat under uh, the teaching of the apostles and the elders of the church at the time, they were prioritising speaking God's word to uh, one another. It was Making God's word central to the way they live their lives uh, as a church community. Now, preaching, teaching kinds of things are historically a strong point for most Reformed churches. And I think, I hope you think that that's true of Wonga Park as well. We stick to the word of God, even when our society tells us we should prioritize other things, even when other parts of the Christian spectrum that have compromised on things. Uh, tell us we're wrong, we stick to the Word. We actually wanted to be the authority that shapes our lives, the, the rule by which we live, so to speak. And in many ways, our survey results show that too. Now, I don't know whether you can see the, re- the writing there, I suspect it's too small for you to read, um, but the top line there is from the feedback, your desire uh, to for two thirds of the congregation to hear preaching on God's wisdom for our lives, we want to know how God wants us to live our lives. We want to be taught that. We want to take Scripture and apply it to us, and so uh, so that's what the top line represents. There, the three items that follow are God's heart for people. So, so God's character, who, who He is, and 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 what He wants. Um, How to practice forgiveness and the fourth one down is our Reformed Confession. So really, in some sense, the doctrine, like summarising Scripture and understanding how God works. This is the stuff that our congregation want to devote themselves to, to the Apostles' teaching, so to speak, and its implication for our lives. And I think that's wonderful. So, well done you. I think that's that's a really good thing. So now, how are we going to do that as a congregation? We wrestled with this for quite a while at our previous session meeting and in the end we decided we would structure our teaching in a month around four things. Head, heart, hands and holy worship. The last one is just jamming an H word in there because it's really about the Psalms. But anyway, so let's stick with holy worship. Uh, So each Lord's Supper Sunday, we're going to be trying to tackle a deep truth from Scripture about what we believe from our reformational documents. So, we might be taking something like the Heidelberg Catechism or one of our confessions and be preaching about some sort of theology and how that impacts our lives. This is kind of head stuff and it made sense to do that as we share the communion together. So, on Lord's Supper Sundays, that's how we're going to, uh, I guess, that's what we're going to be focusing on in the teaching. We'll also be having um, a a heart week, if you like. So, how does God's Word instruct us to live? So, we're going to be ta- tackling various parts of Scripture that, say, deal with forgiveness or relationships and uh, looking primarily through the Proverbs, we're going to be preaching about how our faith in Christ radically shapes the way we practice, say, forgiveness or we, or we interact with our relationships. We're going to deal with these issues in a way that still firmly is grounded in the apostles' teaching. This is not going to be topical, um, you know, psych, psych 101 type stuff, that uh, pop psychology sorts of things. We're going to go to scripture and see how God wants his people to live and what does he say about X, Y, Z topic. So that's the hard stuff. One week out of four, we want we we're going to trial uh, hand stuff. So, preaching, teaching about um, practical Christian skill that we need to grow in. For example, we might focus one week on how do I invite someone to church and why should I do that? Um, Or how do I answer someone if they say something like, if God is good, then why is there so much evil in the world? So, we're going to be looking at what Scripture says about who God is and how He's uh, you know, authority and rule and sovereignty works and then what the assumption is in the world and how do the two interact. So, that's going to give you some answers to give to people when they question your faith, it's going to give you some, uh, I guess, some practical skills on how to read the Bible with someone and those sorts of things and, and really the aim there is to equip the saints for works of service. That is what I am called to do, that is the task of a teacher is to equip the saints works of service. And so that's, we're going to trial that for one week out of three. And then the aim, uh, the aim really here is to help us to face the arrows that the de- devil wants to shoot at us. So if we're going to be a church that's dedicated to helping people take the next step, then we're going to need to upskill ourselves and it's going to be pretty critical to do that. And so that's why we, we've structured that in there one week out of four. And then the final week is the holy worship week and here I'll be preaching through the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms is wonderful because Psalm, the book of Psalms is a devotional book that helps connect our heart to what we believe about God in our expression of worship together. And so it's a, it's a book that gives us a language about how we can pray, the sorts of things we can pray to God with, all those sorts of things. And so, uh, so we'll be looking at how the Psalms kind of shape our lives as well. So we want to prioritise prayer and these prayer songs that the Psalms give us is inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And it seems like a really sensible and good way to go about doing that. And so that's what our church teaching is going to look like as we devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching this year. Now, we're going to monitor how we go as we do this. And we, I'm very keen to hear your feedback because a lot of this stuff is, is um, a new kind of way for us to think about church on a Sunday morning. So please give us your feedback as we go and we will fine tune that as we go and drop stuff and pick up other stuff and whatever. But ideally we would want, we actually want you to tell us what you think. So that's the apostles' teaching. Now they also devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now the fellowship in the New Testament was really a way of talking about Christians gathering together uh, to speak God's word to one another. Now, notice the text doesn't say they devoted devoted themselves to a fellowship. It was a specific type of fellowship. And this particular fellowship was um, about building one another up in the faith and in the word and discussing the things of God. Now, bringing that forward to today, we, we have to realize that the fellowship we are supposed to share as a church has to be more than simply drinking coffee after the service. It is something that is fundamentally different to talking about how our weeks went and what our footy clubs did. It is speaking God's word, taking the apostles' teaching and helping it apply to the lives of one another. And because we are committed to being a New Testament type church, the church is committed to being the fellowship and that's the reason we have been doing our discussion questions during our church services over the last couple of years. Now, this is the feedback you gave us. Uh, for 81.5% of you, the discussion questions has been helpful in your own personal spiritual growth. Uh, in fact, many of the comments that, we, that, that you've provided say that actually... The biggest issue you have, and the reason why the sum value portion, 35%, is so high, is because there's not enough time. You actually want more time to discuss stuff within the church congregation. Uh, So this is us devoting ourselves to the, the fellowship of speaking God's word. And as a result of that, our community has become strengthened. That's not surprising. If we're going to do what God says we should do as a community, it makes sense that that will strengthen the community. And so this is is how our community, this is how you view the discussion questions in terms of how it builds the community. Um, Most of you feel that the discussion questions are very valuable or extremely valuable in building up the church community. And again, that's not surprising. When we encourage one another with God's word, We are doing what it means to be the fellowship. Now, we have to recognise the fact that there are at least 12% who feel that the questions have no value. And again, our church council has spent a long time discussing how we are to deal with this. And in fact, our decision was that we are not going to make a decision at this stage. we kind of had differing opinions about how to best manage these conflicting things where it actually genuinely does grow the community, it's valuable in spiritual growth, but some people find them really difficult and confronting. So, how do we manage that in a way that honours both parties without without neglecting or dishonouring both while still being committed to being the fellowship? We don't actually know. So, We've committed to spending the month praying about that, and we actually want you to pray with us. So will you pray for us as we wrestle with this together about how we best proceed with particularly the discussion questions? So that's the discussion question. Now, while I'm here, can I ask someone to maybe just open some doors and put on the fans? Um, thanks, Michael. Uh just because it's a bit stifling. The other part of devoting ourselves to the fellowship is participation in smaller gatherings of people through the growth groups. Now, again, we have to think about... She's very scared of spiders. Uh, (laughs) I can almost guarantee you that's what that was. Um, We have to recognise that our culture as a church here has shifted quite significantly. As As we've turned our eyes outside to those outside the congregation... Uh, we've started asking ourselves, how can I help my friends take their next step towards Jesus? And so as a community, we've changed. A couple of years ago, we essentially had two functioning growth groups. Now, we had more groups than that, but groups that were specifically committed to spiritual growth, we, we really only had maybe two, where the express purpose was specifically to help people grow and take their next step in faith. Today, of our congregation are either in a growth group or want to be. So, um, on the far right, left, is the people that are in a growth group. The next column is those that aren't but want to be. So, about 80% of our church is there. Now, just so you know, in church health stuff, uh, the gold standard for growth group participation is 80%. No church will have 100% but 80% is considered to be um, the best pretty much you can do and churches that tend to have that as one of their statistics tend to be really healthy spiritually or be growing in a really healthy way. And so we're basically there. This is 80% of the church congregation gathering together week by week to speak God's word to one another outside of the church service. Now notice that all but one person said that their growth group was actually valuable to them and described it as something that growed them spiritually. And that's massive. So I wanted to take this opportunity here to just thank God, first of all, for the major shift that He has done in the hearts of our people. He's accomplished some, some miracles here in that regard. And so to Him be all the glory. At the same time, I also wanted to recognise particularly the growth group leaders who incidentally are also part of our pastoral care team for the care and input they've given each week. So praise God that we have grown significantly in the fellowship. And so that's a really good thing. We've committed to the apostles' teaching, we're committed to the fellowship. And so that's really the feedback that I want to share from the surveys with you, because those things have an impact on how we kind of do church day by day and week by week. But I wanted to now think and tackle the other things we're hoping to do together as we share the plan for this year. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and jumping to 47, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. It is a process. Not those who were saved, but were in the process of being saved. And this is the process of discipleship. It's a process of learning to be like Jesus. It's taking one step at a time towards Christ. Now it has been a great pleasure and privilege, actually. Uh me to see this congregation embrace this vision to disciple people, to help people take their next step. It is something that has cost me dearly, but it is a task that Jesus has given the church. If anything was to characterize a church who wants to follow Jesus, then discipleship is that Look at what he says, this is the last instruction he gives the church just before he goes back to heaven. The eleven disciples travelled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus directed them. They saw him, some worshipped him, but some doubted. Interesting. Jesus came near to them and said to them, "'All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth.'" Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what a privilege and a joy it has been to be able to commit together to what God calls every believer to do, to make disciples. This is the command he gave before he left the earth, This is the command that still governs the church and what it does today. And that is how the Lord adds to their number those who are being saved. This is a journey we as a congregation have been on for a number of years and we have grown significantly with this as our focus. Each week or at least uh, many weeks we start our worship services saying that this church is a church that is committed to making disciples, to helping people take their next step towards Jesus. And you might wonder why we say that every week because that is our mission it's for the visitors that come that tune in online that they know what we are going to exist for we are going to exist to do what jesus has called the church to do to help people be in that group of the being saved ones And friends as our culture as a church has shifted as we have continually turned our eyes towards those around us and starting to ask the questions of everyday life, of how can I help someone take the next step, we as a community have changed. And what's happened is that we, who are God's people, we've become less and less okay with being okay with those around us remaining lost. As we have devoted ourselves to the Apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, God, through His Holy Spirit, has been working on our hearts. Let me ask you this. Are you comfortable with the fact that the person sitting in the cubicle next to you or who goes to school with you or uni or who is in your family or or wherever they might be, are you comfortable with the fact that that person, he or she, is currently facing an eternity in in hell because they reject Christ? Are you comfortable with that? If your answer is no... It's because the Holy Spirit has been preparing your heart. And the more we have grown, the more connected we have become to Jesus, the more concerned naturally we become for the outsider outside of the church. Jesus himself said, this is my purpose. I have come to seek and save the lost. And so that's what we want to do, to reach the lost so Jesus can save them. So that's what we think God is calling us to do here. Now, we have prayed about this plan. We have worked on it with our deacons, with our growth group leaders, with outside consultants, because we believe that God God has given us brains and strategies to serve him. And so this is the strategy we think God has called us to. Sandra, if you can go to that uh, webpage now, that would be good, thanks. So let's load that up. Now, this is what we think God is calling us to. Let me walk you through that. Before I do, I want to say what's, what's critical to understand is that this is a partnership between the church as an organisation and the church as the people. If we do not work together on this, this will not work. This must be a real community effort. Now, let me go into some detail. The whole plan revolves around the red little circle there. These two evangelistic services we're going to have on the 28th, 29th of October, and the 5th of November. Now, you might be wondering why do we plan to have two evangelistic services back to back? The reason for this is purely because the average person will think up an excuse to not come to one. But it's very hard to refuse you twice. Uh, and so Many churches who use this strategy, the first week tends to have only a handful of newcomers and the second week tends to have quite a few more will who, who come. Because we, we say, what are you doing on the 28th of October, 29th of October? Oh, I can't come because I've got my dog's hair grooming or whatever. Well, what about the week after? Because I'd like to invite you to come and to hear what it is we actually believe. And so that's what we're going to do on those two Sundays. Now, we recognise that for most of us, it's actually really hard to give a good um, kind of gospel presentation. Not all of us have the skills to say, this is what I believe and for these reasons and this is what it means and so on. And so, we want to lighten that burden off you and to take that on as a church organisation. But we need you to provide the people. And so, uh, And so we want you to invite people to this now again this is a partnership our job as a church is to preach to them your job as a church is to bring them to invite them now the target here is that we want to actually invite a hundred people now there are roughly a hundred of us here this morning and that's kind of one person per each of us children included you can invite your friends from school it doesn't matter This is a community outreach where the aim is to invite one person to these two weeks. Now, a hundred seems like a lot, but here are the realities. The stat in Australia is that, on average, one in four people will accept an invite to church if they are invited. That's staggeringly high when you think about it. Think of four people you work with or go to school with or whatever, If you invited all four of those, one would come. That means, statistically speaking, if we were to invite 100 people, around 25 would show up on the day. Now, can you imagine just how wonderful it would be if there were 25 new people here on that Sunday hearing the true gospel preached, proclaimed, perhaps for the first time ever? So one in four is kind of the basic latent invitability of people. But we want to strengthen that even further. So to to do better than one in four, uh, we're going to talk about how we're going to do that next. It's going to take some work and that's where the rest of the plan comes in. So then working back from these evangelistic Sundays, we want to increase people's chances of saying yes to coming to church. We want to break down as many barriers as they might have uh, and the best way to do that is just to build really strong social connections with them. So basically, what we want to do is to build such a strong friendship with these people that they are highly likely to accept an invite, uh, while at the same time making people more and more comfortable being with bigger and bigger groups of Christians. So this starts with um, this first one, which is the personal social. So the aim here is for you to invite someone that you work with or a friend that you have at a football club or whatever to your home but when you do, just let them know that there is something uniquely Christian about the way we do dinner. You know, when, when, we, when you come, we're going to pray beforehand. Is that okay with you if I do that? 99 out of 100 people will say, yes, that's totally fine, you do you. But our aim is to help people see something that is uniquely Christian. That's all they need at this stage. That's their next step. The aim is not to convert them around the dinner table, although if the Holy Spirit works that way, that's fine. The aim here is just for them to build a social relationship with a Christian who they know is a Christian so that they can understand we don't have two heads. Now, they might have some next steps. Maybe after the dinner it goes so great that you can invite them out for coffee or invite them to, sh- to read the Bible with you one-on-one. Maybe they actually want to come to church, invite them. That's fine, that's great. Um, Maybe they want to go to your growth group. That's fine too. There are a, a number of next steps built into that. But the aim here is to just have dinner and some fun with a friend who's not a believer. That's the first step, the personal social. Next, we want to grow the group of Christians they're now hanging out to be a little bit bigger. So, uh, if they've managed to survive the encounter with a single Christian, we now want them to survive the encounter with multiple Christians. And so, the aim again is to have fun and to socialise. It's not necessarily to study the Bible on that growth group, but to organise a growth group social. And so, our growth group leaders will be uh, will be prompting you to say, we're going to go bowling, we want you to invite your friend to that. Uh, if they have Again, deep faith questions, of course they can explore that, but the aim is to build a group of friendships now with a slightly larger group. And if that goes well, they might want to come to church, they might want to join a growth group, they might want to meet with you for coffee to discuss the Bible or whatever, but we're giving them the opportunity to meet with even more Christians. Step three, same thing again. So we've gone from a small group encounter to a slightly larger group encounter, now to a church-wide social. So on Uh, the day, I don't have the day in my head, it's the end of term three, we're going to have a church-wide social. And the aim here is for people to not only meet with lots of Christians, but also to come into the building. Now people on the street have this really strange idea that if they walk through the doors of a church, God is going to zap them and they're going to burn to a crisp. That's just an idea people have. And we want to show them that that's not true so we want to make them comfortable also with being in the building and so that's the aim church-wide social and then we've built in an additional kind of optional step which is the church camp church camp has been booked the aim is like last year to invite any of our connections to come to the church camp to spend a significant time uh, with god's people and also we will have a church service there on the Sunday morning. And so this might be the first time they ever go to a church service. And so, uh, so that's kind of how we aim to break down the barriers. Once that's done, we invite them to the two evangelistic Sundays which follow the week of, of the church camp. So it'll be church camp, next week is evangelistic Sunday 1, week after that is evangelistic Sunday number 2. Now, coming out of the Evangelistic Sundays, we've built in a bunch of next steps for people. So, we want to have some documentation ready so that when someone comes, they can pick it up, they can read who we are as a church, what we do, what we believe and so on. Like a newcomer's booklet, we can give people. We're going to uh, have and hour on those Sundays, invite people to join an Exploring Christianity course. Uh, a lot of people will come to that, you know, they'll be quite happy to uh, accept an invitation to that. So this could be something like Just For Starters or or Alpha or whatever that looks like. Uh, We're going to have some books available for people if they want to explore more, so if you want to know what Christianity is really about, here's the book, the thing is I'm going to give that to you, it's a gift for you but you have to promise me to read it and so people can just take them and we're going to invest some money to make that happen because that's basically the gospel in book form. So we want to give people as many opportunities to keep exploring, uh, uh, you know, throughout that day. And we also want a way for them to sign up to, you know, our newsletter, our church stuff, so they're connected, they're getting bombarded with, with our spam, so to speak. And so that's really the big picture. Now, if you have a brain, which you all do, you'll know that this is very clearly linear and very thought out, very next stepy, and the reality is that life just doesn't work that way. Um, life is not that simple and not that linear. It's going to be a lot more messy. Maybe your first time you actually get to have your social, personal social with the person is after the growth group social. That's okay. We're, we're putting broad picture plans in here to help people feel more and more comfortable so that when we get to the Evangelistic Sundays, uh, they they can feel as comfortable as possible because what we want to do is go from better than one in four to maybe three in four will accept an invite now here's the big question where are we going to source these people from we're asking everyone to pray and that's that golden line the the blue line underneath sorry to pray for two people each now two people each there's a hundred invites we recognise that if there's two people each, half of them are not going to be ready to be invited to Sunday. They might, they might just not be ready and you have to decide for yourself whether that's the case. But we're asking you to pray for two people each. They might come from your family connections. It could be any person really with whom you have regular contact. Maybe it's a family member who's dropped out of church. Maybe it's your hairdresser that you see every four weeks. Uh, and you've gotten to know really well. Maybe it's your next door neighbour with whom you chat when you put the bins out. Right now, my guess is that God is giving you a picture in your mind of who your two people might well be. Friends, school friends, co-workers, uh, local footy club people, whoever that might be. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Friends, that's, I think, how we partner with God to fulfil the Great Commission. But now notice, we actually missed out one of the most important parts. They devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching, tick, to the fellowship, tick, to the breaking of bread, yeah, we're going to do that, tick, to prayer. We haven't talked about that. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to think now about praying here together. We're going to be asking you to commit to pray for these people for the next 10 months. Prayer is the foundation upon which all evangelism is built. I want to share a truth with you and hear me well. We can have the best strategy, and I think we have a pretty good one. But it is God, through His Holy Spirit, that needs to work in people's hearts. We cannot strategize people into the kingdom, we can't socialize people into faith. The only part of the conversion experience that we can have a real active part in is to pray for our friends which is why prayer undergirds this whole strategy. That is why in our growth groups, we have trained our growth group leaders to spend the first 15 minutes praying for our two people. As a church, as a whole, we're going to be praying each week until those evangelistic Sundays for our people as a congregation. We're asking you to pray at least weekly, every night would be better, but at least weekly to pray for your two people. That means that by the time we get to our evangelistic Sundays, we will have covered these people in prayer for 10 months and that has to do something, right? So will you commit to pray for your friends? I don't think that's that radical. Will you pray with us? Finally, on to... 2024, we're just going to review, see where we've gone wrong, try again. Uh, Our task is to be faithful, not to be successful. And so that's it, That's, that's really the plan. Now there's a number of realities that we need to face up to here, a number of reality checks that we need to think about. The first one is, how are we going to measure whether we've succeeded our plan? What if we do all of this and no one shows up? Or what if a hundred people show up and no one ends up coming to faith? Is that a failure? Well, no. Not if we've been faithful to God's call to the best of our ability, to Jesus' command to go and make disciples. Our measure is not the number of people who come, but the number of people we invite. It's not conversion, but intention. It's not other people's faith, but our faithfulness. If we have been obedient to the call, our success will have been achieved even if no one comes, as long as we're obedient. So that's reality check number one. Number two, For this to work, the church needs your help. Obviously it involves actual people to be invited, but there's a more immediate and more critical need and that is that we need your financial support to make this happen. This is our reality. This is in your newsletter booklets as well. Our offerings and pledges are lagging behind by about $600 a week. We need about two and a half, two thousand four hundred dollars each month more, to sustain what we are currently doing, let alone provide additional programs for those people that are going to come and, you know, need to be to be taught everything about Jesus. This plan for this plan, this outreach to work, we need your help. It is too important to let finances st- stand in the way. And so I'm asking you for the sake of the kingdom work we plan to do here to dig deep and to rethink the way you spend money and the offerings you give to church. To sacrifice somewhere out there to invest in the kingdom here. Now, this could be as simple as 12 families who decide they're going to give $50 extra each week. It could be one business person who gives $600 a week more. It could be 120 people who give, I don't know, you figure out $4 more each week or something. Um, But will you pledge with us today to invest maybe 50, maybe 20, maybe $100 a week more so that we can achieve this mission? We need your partnership not just in people, but actually in money. That's reality check number two. On that, January is traditionally our worst month. It's the time where we're all away on holidays, no one comes to church. I understand that. But if our giving continues like it did in January, our bank account will be empty in September. That's where we're at. So will you partner with us? Because the kingdom work is too important to let finances stand in the way. Reality check number three. We have moved from wherever we were to the front lines of the spiritual battle in Australia. That is a dangerous spiritual place to be. I would like for you to pray for me, for our leadership, for everyone involved in this because we need your protection through prayer. We really need God's protection but we want you to pray for us. Because being on the front lines of any battle is dangerous. And that's where we're positioned ourselves and that's where we're going. So will you pray about that as well? And then reality check number number four is fear. I think whenever we tackle something ambitious or big, whenever we move from what's normal to what's different, it's pretty scary. I'm scared. Because what happens if we fail? If it all comes crashing down and no one comes. I'm scared, as I said, because we have put ourselves on the front lines of the spiritual battle. Every time a church does this, Satan's not happy about that. And he will prowl around and look for ways he can devour us. Maybe you're feeling a bit fearful too. But Satan is not our king. We serve a higher king. A king who is calling us into battle, who has given us his word, his truth, who promises to be with us always and therefore who will go with us to war. So what do we really have to be afraid of? This world, which can only kill our bodies? Friends, we serve a higher throne than all this world has known. So let's not let fear stand in our way either. And so that is it. Now the question's over to you. Shall we do this? Let me pray. Lord, we recognise that you have been working in this congregation and that you have brought us to this point point. and humbly we want to submit these plans to you. As we've done already, we continue to pray that these might be your plans and not just our plans. These might not just be good ideas, but actually your way of reaching the lost for Christ in, the, in, in our lives. Help us to help others take their next step. And as we think and process this together as a congregation, we pray that you will bless our thoughts, that you will guide our minds, that you will give us courage and that you will help us to do the work that you are calling us to do. I want to now pray already for those two people you have put on everyone's heart. Lord, perhaps some of us here don't yet know who our two people are, I want to pray that right now or through the next week that you will reveal who those two people might be. I want to pray that already you will soften their hearts, that as we look towards inviting them in October next year, or this year, that they might come to hear your word and that we might be the tools you use to also save them and to bring them into a living faith before you. Lord, we recognise that in many ways this is an ambitious plan. But it is a plan we believe you have given us. And so we want to pray that you will bless it, that you will give us everything we need to achieve this uh, well, that we won't be drawn into the temptation to measure success by numbers, but that, that simply we will be faithful to the calling that you've given us. And as we consider what this might mean for us as individuals, and also for our financial states as families. We pray that you will make us generous, not just with our time, but also with our finances, so that nothing will stand in the way of the work we believe you are calling us to do. So we commit this to you, we're excited, Lord, and we pray that you will bless us as you go with us. We, I guess in a way we want to claim that promise, that you will be with us until the very end of the age. May we feel your spirit with us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.